friends. Welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. Happy to be back with you guys for another episode. The music that you're hearing is from my friend Ryan Allwart, and he's got an album coming out later this summer that's going to be all 70s music. So if you're into the 70s music, he's going to have some great covers coming out on this album. So make sure you check that out and check him out on Spotify anyway, because he is just really good. My guest this week is Greg Doyle. He's a columnist for the Indianapolis Star. He covers sports of pretty much any level. And as a storyteller, in my opinion, he is truly one of the best storytellers that I follow. And so during a time where there are no sports, I really enjoy talking to him about how he is going about finding stories to tell during this time when there aren't any games being played. And the cool thing is he actually feels like he's busier now than he's ever been. And there's plenty of stories to tell. And obviously there are stories of athletes who haven't been able to play their season, which we did in April. We talked to a number of athletes about their seasons being cut short. And he's got a lot of great stories that he's been able to tell from that lens. And so I really enjoyed talking to Greg and just hearing what this has been like. And we also talked about the potential for when or if sports will return and what that will look like whenever that happens. And so Greg is in a unique position because Indianapolis is such a hub for a lot of major events. Often they host the NCAA tournament or the Final Four, Super Bowl, NFL Combine, a number of things. And so in 2021, the Final Four and the NBA All-Star Game are supposed to be there. And so Greg's got a good take on what that might look like and if we'll have football or sports in the fall. And so if you're a sports fan, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So here's my conversation with Indy Star sports columnist Greg Doyle. Well, Greg, thanks for joining the show, man. How's everything going? I know it's kind of a weird time for everybody, and you're a sports columnist, and there's no sports going on, but you know, how's this time been for you? And I know you've been able to stay busy, but um, you know, this weird time that we're living in, what's it been like for you as a, as a human and as a sports journalist? As a human, it, it feels like we've all walked into a Stephen King book, you know, like this can't, this can't be real, what's happening. And, uh, and I'm one of the lucky ones, you know, I, my job, I, I got there's furloughs we're dealing with. So once a week, once one week a month, we're not getting paid, but um, that beats the heck out of what's happening in a lot of places. And, and as far as health goes, my, me and my family, we're all healthy. So, uh, so many people have it worse. You know, this, this is affecting all of us in some shape or form, but I'm just, I'm one of those people that, you know, if, if you've got your job and you've got your health and not in that order, it, you're doing as well as anybody can be doing. Yeah, and I know that you mentioned the other day that you're almost as busy now than ever before. And, you know, there's no sports going on, but there's no shortage of stories to tell. So what has been the challenge for you as a sports journalist to kind of get a little bit more creative? And maybe that's something that you that you that excites you as a journalist is you get to be a little bit more creative with your stories. But in terms of finding stories to tell on columns to write when there aren't games being played or stuff going on, what has that been like for you? Well, I've always known that this job is usually easy whether it's my job specifically or just being a sports writer it's it's easy it's uh it's like walking through a buffet and there's there's games everywhere you know i'll, I'll have today i'll have a i'll have a, a high school basketball game tomorrow i'll have a, a colts game and in three days i'm gonna have a pacers game for dessert it's easy um in the summer around here i've got practice of this in the summer in, in indianapolis with the exception of the 500 in may and and then you know the colts have a couple of mini camps whatever but by and large there's about three months here where there's nothing Mm-hmm. No, no high school, college, or pro sports, and no longer are you. Is it are you eating from a buffet? It becomes for for my job. It becomes you. You only eat what you kill. You got to go find it, and uh, that's what 
this is now. Um, you got to go find it. And uh, I, I'm looking, you know, really, really hard. And and for me, the problem I'm having, it's a good problem, but there's so much out there. There's so many things I'm finding, both current people, um, historical stories I love doing. Uh, there's so much that I'm kind of finding that I'm overworked right now. And I, cause it's hard for me to put it off. There's a story a couple of days ago, Timmy Brown, uh, grew up in an orphanage in Knightstown, Indiana. Then he plays his way into ball States football team and then ends up in the NFL for 10 years, actually sets an NFL record or two, then goes to Hollywood. He acts in mash and a couple other things. And I'd never heard of the guy, never heard of him, but he died last week. He died Saturday at, um, age, I think 82. I'd never heard of him. I read that obituary. I'm like, what? Um, so I've got enough going on this week, but I got to write that and I can't wait. That can't wait. He, yeah. you know, he just died Saturday. So anyway, there's, it's a good problem to have in that sense that I got a lot going on, but I, as I told you a couple of days ago, it, I'm much busier than I thought I was going to be. And it, I'll hit a wall soon. There'll be, there'll come a time where there's nothing, but right now I've not hit that wall yet. Yeah. You know, when I worked in sports journalism, I always enjoyed those longer form stories a whole lot more than covering a game. And cause I think there's just more to it. And I think at this, you know, granted, we all want sports and games to come back because you do get a lot of stories from that. But, you know, you're you're able to kind of delve into maybe some things that maybe otherwise would have sat kind of on the back burner. You know, maybe you had some long form future stories that you couldn't get to before and now you've got time for that. So I don't know. I mean, I think that like there's there's good and bad to any situation. Um, and it sounds like you're finding, you know, there is some good to this, at least from a storytelling perspective. Now, obviously, there's been the hard part of seeing Seniors in high school, their, their seasons are canceled. Um, college athletes are missing out. What have been some of the, 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 I guess, more heartbreaking stories that you've encountered through this? And we don't have to focus on just the negatives, but obviously there's a human element to this that there is some heartbreak to this. I mean, I was telling you before we recorded, you know, my, my team missed out on a season and this was going to be my last year coaching. That's just one of thousands of stories that people are, are living through. And what are maybe some of the more gut-riching things that, you've, that you have come across in your time uh, since this has all been happening? Well, the the most um, the most important stuff I'm I'm going to do this whole summer is, and I stole this entirely from Scott Van Pelt at ESPN. He he for a while there, he, every night he, he called it Senior Night, and he yeah. would he he apparently was getting thousands of submissions towards the end, so he had to pick through five or ten teams and or seniors or both that just didn't get their spring season or didn't get to end maybe their winter season, like some basketball teams that were in the mm -hmm. state final four and we'll never know if they're going to win state. Yeah. So he, he did this great thing called senior night and uh, I stole, I stole it and I call it, I'm calling it senior, my senior class project. And uh, I'm, it runs every Thursday in print. And my third one, we're doing this on Thursday. My third one's today. My fourth one, I actually wrote this morning for next week. And all they're all heartbreaking. These are seniors that, in different shapes or forms, are are not they're not getting their last go around. Just like you've got yeah. all those kids there, they're not. And and they all have a story. Um, I even told uh, the way I'm getting these story ideas is I've, I'm reaching out to an AD and or coach at every school that I can find, and I'm saying, give me a kid. Uh, I tell them what I'm doing, and I tell them I, I don't care how good the kid is in sports. If 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 they're a star, then okay, that's that's good but I want them to be a wonderful kid yeah. and I want to write about that kid and it doesn't matter how good they are in sports. Um, so I've written about a couple that are stars and a couple of them that one of them had never even played baseball was going to play baseball this year and might've, might've baseball might've been his ticket out of a poor background. It might've been his ticket to college. 
and now he'll never know. He won't get to play. So it, they're all heartbreaking in their different ways. And I know you, you probably have a five or ten uniquely heartbreaking stories there. Yeah, but we had three girls that were all 4.0 students, you know, and they were just great kids. And that was the only reason why I was going to be driving two hours back home for Monday. You know, I was going to go live in Evansville with my brother Monday through Friday and come back here over the weekend. And I was only doing it because we had, you know, these girls who were varsity players since they were freshmen and they were, you know, all 4.0 students. And I just, I hurt for the kids. Like if I want to coach again down the road, I can. But for a lot of these kids, like this will be the last time that they play a sport that, they, you know, because a lot of these, like, none of my girls are going to go play college tennis. They were going to, I mean, they're all 4.0 students that are going to go to Purdue and Indiana and wherever else and study. But, uh, you know, they've trained all offseason, didn't get to play. And I just, I know that there's kids all over the state, all over the country that are going through that. And, you know, on the other side of that, what are maybe some of the more uplifting things that you've been able to see and tell, the stories you've been able to tell through this? Well, when this whole thing started, um, for us about a month ago when it got really serious, like, whoa, stuff was getting shut down left and right. Um, the initial reaction that I saw, I, I hated it. And, and because the initial reaction that I saw anyway, was you go into a grocery store and toilet paper's gone yeah. and soap is gone and, and toilet papers there. You can find some, not much, but soap is still antibacterial soap. You can't find it. Wipes can't find it. Um, my initial reaction was people are so selfish. Like there's no way people needed that much toilet paper. They're clearly yeah. stockpiling, not everybody, but they're stockpiling it. And anyway, my, so my first reaction was this is bringing out the selfish, scared jerk in too many of us, but that's kind of passed. And now I'm just seeing, um, first of all, the, the reaction that we're seeing nationwide, wh whatever city you're in to, we're calling them the front line, you know, the front line. Yeah. The doctors and nurses and, and, and it's also, you know, it's orderlies and it's receptionists. And if you work in a hospital, if you're going into that, that pandemic, that coronavirus war zone every day, you know, thank you to them. And so I, I'm really uplifted by how wonderfully those folks are being perceived heroically. They're being perceived that there's that there's just little things and that's not a little thing, but there's little signs of gratitude all over the city yeah. that I'm signs and houses, windows, and just people are buying meals and sending meals to hospitals to pay, you know, just one less thing for you to worry about. We got your pizza today. Yep. Riley Children's Hospital nurses, just little things like that. Um, most folks, maybe everybody, but most folks are acting in a way like they get it. We are all in this together. Every yeah, yeah. last, this is not Republican versus Democrat or IU versus Purdue or Kentucky versus Louisville. We're all in this together. So let's let's get to the other side as well as we can. Yeah, it has been interesting to see the the unifying aspect of this, given the fact that we can't really even be physically together. And I think, you know, for me, I'm I'm, I'm 30 years old. So when I look back at my life, the two main historical events in my life are 9/11, and I think now this. And the difference with this is that you know, with 9/11, we all wanted to be together and you know, as a sports fan, sports really brought us together. If you remember like a week later, George Bush throwing out the first pitch at a Yankees game was a huge unifying event. And so many of those distractions that we would go to in a time like this, they're all gone. We can't go to concerts. We can't go to games. We can't watch sports. I think that's what's made it hard. And, you know, I think we're still finding, I think it's cool as we're seeing unique ways for humans to come together. We're seeing unique ways to get creative. Like I've loved seeing, you know, just the different Zoom calls between, athletes and their teammates and people are try getting creative and i think it's it's a really cool thing nationwide to see that and 
you know, I, I hope we never have to live through something like this again. But I think there is like I, I'm just like I'm I'm curious what our country is going to look like whenever we come on the other side of this. I mean, what have you have you thought about that at all? Like you know what what are we as humans and people going to going to be like when we come on the other side? Is how are we going to treat each other? Yeah. Um, one example you gave, uh, I want to give what you said, the, the, the Zoom calls. Like there's a video now of Steph Curry, Stephen Curry found there's a nurse in Oakland um, who apparently, you know, she's his, he's her favorite player and she wears his jersey under her scrubs. Hmm. He found out about that and Zoom called her or FaceTimed her or something. And her, and he didn't do that for attention, but her her colleagues saw it happening and they, they quickly got a video of her talking to Steph Curry. And he's here's Steph Curry thanking this nurse. Uh, it's that's the kind of stuff. And and I, I shouldn't be stunned by that. Steph's a great guy and he ought to be thanking her, but it's just, that's the stuff we're saying, you know, nine 11, um, still for a lot of us, I, I think still there's some patriotism still. I mean, we all have patriotism, but there's still some lingering. We haven't forgotten that. And, that's been life changing in, 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 in ways, um, certainly in airport ways, but, um, this is going to be more gotta be nine 11 was, I mean, that was a thunderbolt from hell. It was shocking. Um, but, but it was over, it happened and it was over and we recovered from it and thought about it and all that, but it, it was, it was over. Mm-hmm. This is not over. This is, <laughs> I'm mean, right. It's every day, every day is, and, and not any one day is as bad as nine 11, uh, for those two buildings or, you know, but, but every day is a war zone yeah. in, in different ways. And, and we're all like, you can't forget, you know, a lot of things we, it's called recency bias, I guess. And we get caught up in the moment. Right. I do that when I write. Um, yeah. You, you think something's so big, like that's the best home run I've ever seen or the best catch ever. That's this, that, that. And then, you know, three weeks pass and we kind of move on to the next best catch ever, best game ever, whatever. We're not going to move on from this. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll, we will, but you know what I mean? We're not going to forget. There's no recency bias going to, I mean, 10 years from now, I think we're going to talk about this and remember that and be grateful that we can walk through the stores of Kroger and not worry about coughing on somebody. It's like, or, or we can go to church. Um, anyway, this is, this is going to make us all a lot grateful for the little things and it'll, it'll fade and whatnot, but it'll, this will be there a long, long time in a good way. Unfortunately, the, the hell we've got to go through to get there is a damn shame. Yeah, and that's I just I'm curious even like little things like are we gonna are we gonna shake hands like we used to or are we oh, gonna you right, know right. you know just like things like that like are we even gonna go back to some of the daily rituals or habits that we had before like I'm you know I'm curious like after sports games our team's gonna shake hands or anything like that like just silly things like that like I just worry about like the minutia of this if that's going to play effect into, you know, how we, how we go forward. And, you know, you, you write about sports at all levels, professional college, high school, whatever. And you cover a lot of Colts games, Pacers games, IU games, all of those stadiums hold thousands and thousands of people. And my concern is, you know, obviously I want sports to come back as soon as possible, but like, even if we get the green light and say, everything's all clear, how, how willing do you think people are going to be to go and sit in a stadium with 60, 80,000 people even a year from now, you know, it just seems like even after a month of this, our, our mindset has kind of shifted. Like I watch TV and I'm like, oh my gosh, those people are so close together. It's like, we've already warped our thinking. And I'm just curious, like, what, what do you think this is going to have in terms of an impact on how crowds are at sports whenever they do come back? Yeah. I said something stupid a few minutes ago that your, your question reminds me. I said, we're, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to 
be grateful that we can walk through Kroger and, and, and we can cough and not worry about it. I, I shouldn't have said that. And, and I don't mean that. I, I, I don't mean like, a, I guess what I mean is that's never going to happen again. Yeah. I, that was a stupid thing to say. We will never again, I don't think, be okay with, a I don't like it when someone coughs near me anyway, but <laughs> nobody likes it. But I think going forward, that's going to be like, we're never going to get, we're never going to think that's okay. It's not okay. So yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a guy, I'm a hugger. Um, you know, I'm talking to people and they say something nice to me or, or something rather than going, Oh, thank you. I'll go, ah, and I'll kind of grab them and hug them and uh, man or woman, I, you know, and hopefully no one's ever thought I was too creepy about that, but I hug. Um, I, I don't see me doing that anymore. I, yeah. and not so much cause I'm afraid of getting sick or whatever. I, I don't, no one's, no one's going to want that. Yeah. Or some people won't want that for sure. And yeah. I don't know who those people are. So I better not do that to anybody because, and they've got the right to not want that. Maybe they haven't wanted that for me <laughs> for years, but for sure right now that going forward, they might not. So yeah, I, I think that's a small way, but yeah, handshakes. And I do wonder, you know, if the elbow, of course we're not even around people enough to do the elbow anymore, but we were seeing elbows come out about a month ago. Um, I remember that when Archie Miller and Fred Hoiberg in the big 10 tournament, Nebraska versus IU, they, Archie tried to shake his hand. And we found out later that Fred was sick that yeah. night. Turns out he tested negative for the coronavirus. But I remember watching their pregame handshake and watching Archie do his hand and, and, and Fred kind of smiled and gave him the elbow. And I remember tweeting it. You know, Archie just, you know, Fred went for the elbow. And not knowing that this is going to blow up in two hours when Fred was coughing. on. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to, again, we, we've not had the chance to see if elbows are going to happen because I can't be within six feet of anybody. But I, I suspect elbow is going to be the new handshake. Yeah. Indianapolis is a big hub for a lot of events. I think they were slated to host the Final Four next year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and the NBA All-Star Game, and uh, I'm forgetting. one. There's like and, three and NFL combine. Things. Yeah, NFL Combine every year. If this persists— and Oh, we the, can national, just, the National Championship College Football Game. Oh, okay. Well, so there, yeah, so there's right. a, I mean, Indianapolis, first of all, does a great job hosting these events, and— and there's a huge economic impact whenever those events come to town. And that's just one city. But if for some reason we don't get college football or other sports in the fall, what kind of an impact is this going to have on towns like Indianapolis or even college cities like Bloomington, West Lafayette, or even worse towns like Tuscaloosa and SEC towns where they rely on that income and the, that you know economic impact? What, what can, there's no way to really predict it, but in your idea as a sports journalist what type of impact could this have if we don't get sports back in the fall well i i heard this a couple of days ago and and haven't seen anything about it since i, I should have but haven't but I, I feel like i heard university of cincinnati um eliminated baseball oh I, wow I, I, yeah, and I forgive me if I'm wrong about that. I, I don't even know if did I dream that because I, I was thinking about <laughs> there have been a lot of sport. There have been a lot of minority sports that have gotten cut, which is not surprising. Um, but I, I haven't seen that about Cincinnati. But I mean, I know that that like I think what you're getting at is that might be the 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 ripple effect because if we don't have yeah. football, they can't pay for some of the sports that they normally would. That either happened or I literally dreamed it. Because I, <laughs> I, I so I don't if I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. I don't want to scare anybody. <laughs> But we are going to see stuff like that. I was talking to Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, about this, I don't know, a week or two after the, they shut down the Final Four and said, we're not doing it at all. And I called him, and because and, readers asked, actually were asking me, would you get him on the phone asking some tough questions? This is, I mean, as dumb as it sounds now, because we all realize it was never going to happen. Yeah. In real time, people were, thought, were upset that he didn't just delay it more. Like, why'd you cancel it? Why couldn't you just postpone it for a month to see? 
And so I talked to Emmert about that, and he gave me his, you know, a really smart answer as to why it was, that was never going to be feasible. One thing he did say is the economic hit we're taking from this. You know, he was trying to stress this was not made easily. We realized by canceling that tournament, the economic hit where everybody's going to suffer from this, schools nationwide is staggering. And I was asking him, can you put that into words? Are you saying that like games won't happen next year because everybody's, and he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to say, I don't know what concrete examples we're going to see, but we are going to see them. And yeah, your times like all these SEC small towns, I grew up in Oxford, Mississippi and went to university of Florida. That's two of them. And I've been in probably most of the rest of them, maybe all of them for, for games. And they're going to suffer 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 and you know downtown indianapolis i, I know some business owners they I emailed a couple of them there's a in fact there's a restaurant downtown called shapiro's a, a really famous deli downtown i know mr shapiro and they're scared yeah. you know they they were they need game day and not just game day but week weekend traffic people come into town for game they need it yeah. and we're already seeing stuff closing down left and right and furloughs and all that and the long-term effects of this sports otherwise are we don't know what they are. It's like a lot of times there's unintended, unintended consequences. You don't realize, oh, we're going to make this change. And a year from now we realize, oh crap, look what happened. There's nothing unintended about this. And neither is there going to be anything surprising about this, whatever, however much damage it does to our economy long-term. I mean, the, the actual minutia might be surprising a little bit, but we all know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope we get sports back, but it just, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm not going to be surprised by whatever happens or doesn't happen because, you know, I didn't, I never thought I could, I had a parent text me. This was probably a week or two before everything kind of got shut down. And he was pretty in tune with the news that was coming out of China and overseas. And he was sending me all this stuff. And I think at that point, still to me, this was like early March and the coronavirus was just kind of some foreign thing to me. I didn't really know much about it. And he Zika, said, SARS, right? Who knows? Yeah. And he was like, he, he, he was like, I think your season might get canceled. And I was like, I would be very, my response was, I would be very surprised if our season got canceled because of that. And I was just trying to be respectful. I didn't even want to like blow it off. Cause I was like, that would be crazy if that happened. Well, here we are. And it's just like, I had no idea that it was going to end up like this. I had no idea that we were going to be in this type of a situation. And I just, I don't know what to expect. And I mean, I think, you know, if, if we're deemed that it's all safe, I, I will go to some games, but I guarantee you there's going to be thousands of people that are going to say, you know what, for right now, I'm just going to hang out and, and watch from home. And even if we do get fans back and maybe the Colts only draw half of the, you know, half of the attendance, I mean, how much, just something like that, even if we come back and there's only half amount of people or three fourths, I mean, I feel like even that's going to have a pretty significant impact on towns. Oh, for sure. Um, and it will happen that way. I, 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 I and I don't think we're going to get football this fall. I just don't think we are. And I don't know. And it, it clearly, it's not a done deal either way, whether someone's saying it or not. I don't think that decision can be made right now. Right. But if I had to, you know, if you told me, hey, you've got to bet your 401k, <laughs> yes or no, will there be football? And, and it's not, it's not, it doesn't become a matter of what do you want to have happen? Your 401k is riding on this bet. Which one are you? I, I'd bet no. I'd, I'd, I'd bet no. And I, you know, I hate that, but that's the way it is. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, but if there is, if there are games and there are fans, um, for sure, they won't be full. And I, I, I don't even know if 2021 will be too soon for that to be full. Uh, let me hijack this for a, a second and ask you, um, and I'm sure you know this, why do we know each other? Why do we know each other? 
tell tell people why we know each other and say it. Say All right. It. I was actually about to bring this up. So okay. And, and by uh, the way, we didn't talk about this in advance, so it's not like uh, this is not a. Anyway, I didn't know we, if you. I didn't know if you would remember this. I was about oh. to say, let's take a trip back to the Wayback Machine. Okay. So ten years ago, I was a, a wee little college student, hot off the press, you know, thinking that I was a hotshot sports journalist in college. And I, I come across a Greg Doyle column. Now, this is back when Greg Doyle was a CBS. Greg Doyle used to do a weekly hate mail column. And this is where he would take these people's emails and roast them. And it was great if you were not on the receiving end of this. <laughs> and yeah. at the time, I'm thinking, who, you know, I see this column. I think you were, I think it was something, it was some column about steroids. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I disagreed with it. And I, I tweeted at Greg and I said something about like, never write about baseball again or something like that. And I got quote tweeted by Greg and I got roasted by Greg and all of his followers and all of my college student journalist friends. And mm. that was the last time that I picked a fight with Greg Doyle. And uh, I, I got, I got put in the, in the, it was like a virtual hate mail jar right there. So uh, you and I have matured since then. And <laughs> you know, I, but I, you, uh, were, you were 20, you're supposed to mature. I was 40 or whatever. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have been immature in the first place. <laughs> no, but that was, I mean, that, that was your brand at the time, you know, and that was, you know, you were, you, you were, you know, you were kind of the, the fiery CBS sports columnist and that's why people came to read you. And then I think at the time I just, I didn't, I didn't know the, uh, the scope of, of the reach of Greg Doyle. And I thought, who's this guy writing about baseball? This is my sport. I know more about baseball than anybody. I'm going to comment on this. Well, learn my lesson right then and there, but I will say, so you moved from CBS over to the Indy star and it just like, and I, and I tweeted this at you a few weeks ago, whenever you got, you, it was it Indy, was it sports columnist of the year? Was that the award that you got? Um, yeah, the APSC, they do, they do what they one through 10, they, they have a top 10 and then about a month later they rank them one through 10. So I got one this year. Yeah. So I tweeted at you and I, and, and, and I, tr and I truly meant this because and I, and I, you and I have talked even long since that. And before this, like you have done some incredible work for my home state. And I know that you're not from Indiana and you lived in Cincinnati for a while and came over to Indianapolis and, and you've really adopted Indiana and Indianapolis as if it was your home state. And, you know, I'm a born and raised Hoosier. And like, I just, I have loved the stories that you have been able to tell just about things that I didn't even know about my state, things that I didn't know that like, I just enjoy reading. And you have been able to tell some really, really phenomenal stories. And so it wasn't surprising to me that you got that award. And I mean, you'll, you'll drive all across the state to, to find stories. Like I think, I think you either were going to, or you did drive down to Evansville to do a story on Bossy Field, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I did. Yeah. I, I was there. Yeah. yeah. So like you'll drive from all the to all the corners of the state to, to track stories, and you know you could easily call people on the phone. But I think any any journalist knows that if you go to, I mean, if you if you can do an interview in person and be there and get the scene of the, what you're writing about, it's so much better. And I think you do such a good job of that. And I and I even before we had this conversation right now, I wanted to commend you on that because like I'm a sports fan who was born and raised in Indiana. I was a high school coach in Indiana. And like, that means something to people. Like whenever you're able to tell stories about athletes and, you know, obviously basketball is the, is the life, you know, the lifeblood of Indiana, but there's so many other things that go on in the state and so many good athletes. And so I, I did want to ask you, I mean, what are some of your favorite stories that you have been able to tell? Like whenever you think back to the work that you've done, what are some of the few that really stand out to you? Well, I'll get to, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I'll get to that in a second, but I did not bring up, how did we meet? 
<laughs> I did not bring it up expecting or wanting to hear you take the blame. That was not the point of that. The point of that was not, hey, everybody, Cole sure was a young jerk, and I put him in his place. <laughs> that was not the point. The point was, Greg sure was an old jerk, and Cole, you got a big heart, and you've always had a big heart. I've, I've always been the reason why I've always specifically – you know, you and I have talked a lot on Twitter here and there, and, and, and I try to respond when I'm looking at Twitter, and I don't look at my mentions a lot because sometimes they're ugly and yeah. whatever, but yeah, I try to respond to people, but I was never going to not respond to you ever again. I, I, I was never going to not because I felt so bad. I don't like who I was 10 years ago. I don't like it. I don't like what I did to people on, you know, I can't take it back. It's, it sounds empty and shallow. I can't take it back, but I embarrassed a lot of people, and I'm not saying I embarrassed you, but I, I tried to embarrass people. For, for, for committing the sin of reading my story and having a reaction to it, which is the, the whole columnist dream or not dream, but you want people to read and you want them to care enough to think about it. Even if they're mad, that's, it's kind of what part of, and I, I, anyway, the point of this whole thing was to roast me, not you. <laughs> well, I, thanks. Yeah. I promise you that. I appreciate your heart over the years. I really, really do. Cause yeah. I, for me, two of my favorite words are, I'm sorry. I love saying I'm sorry. I hate how often I have to say it, but I love saying it. And so, Cole, I am sorry. Well, I'm sorry for that. You, you no, didn't deserve I, that. Well, thank you. And, and it feels, and listen, I, and I love saying it because I like being forgiven. There's no better feeling on earth. No, I, I, I honestly, like, I look back on that and, like, yeah, it was super embarrassing at the time, but only because, like, my friends never let me live it down. But <laughs> between you, but like, between you and I, like, between, like, between you and I, like, we, like we've talked since then. First of all, I was surprised that you even remembered that. Cause like for me, like you're Greg Doyle, like you're, you're a big guy. Like I was just a college journalist at the time. Like I was like, who am I? And at the time I thought I was going to become the next Greg Doyle. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, you know, I just, I, for me, I, I realized like, honestly, like journalism was, was making me start to treat people that way. And I realized that. And that was a big reason why like I got into coaching when I was in my mid twenties. And I just realized like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, I don't want people to know me as this hot, like hot shot, like, you know, always roasting people type of person. Like, I just didn't like the, uh, the, the, I don't know, like the, the personality that I was developing. And that's no, like some journalists are able to do, there's plenty of Christian journalists that are able to do it. But like, for me, I was adapting a lot to the newsroom. I was adapting to the culture of it. And I just got this like pompous attitude about myself that like was not me at all before I got to college. And I just realized like, this isn't who I want to be. And I still want to be able to write and tell stories, but I don't want to be somebody that is condescending. And I just realized that's what, that was what was happening to me. And so that's why I was like, I'm going to get into teaching. And I still like, I was in charge of the journalism program. I, I was the yearbook teacher, the newspaper teacher, and I still wrote and I, I, I still write. I write for Sports Spectrum magazine. I'm, I'm writing a book right now. Um, so like I, I do a lot of different like, you know, stuff that I write, but just I try to do it kind of more along my faith, which is like why I'm doing this podcast where it's like I want people to know me for my faith and not because I'm some like witty, condescending jerk on Twitter. So like, you know, kind of like I, I was in this I was in the same exact mindset at the same at mind space that you were at that time. I was just 20 and you were a little bit older, but I was the same thing. And I was like, I don't like who I'm becoming and I just don't want to I just don't want to do this anymore. So that's kind of where. Well, what happened to both of us is we we both came well. You came of age, and, and I just it happened during my <laughs> 35 social media and Twitter. Yeah. And it, it used to be you would you would read or I, we would read people, and you might not like something, but what what could you, were you gonna were you gonna write them a letter? 
No, yeah. you might send them an email and, and maybe you had to be really angry to do that. But for the most part, I don't like it, but you let it go. But now with Twitter, you just, it's, I don't like this and there's nothing stopping me other than common sense from just ripping somebody on Twitter real quick. And, and, and that kind of spills over into everything you become. And I don't mean yeah. you, I mean me, uh, you know, it's, you go from tweeting people like, Hey, that's stupid to writing about it or, or on radio shows saying mean stuff or about folks. I, that's what happened to me. And, uh, anyway, that, that's what happened to you. I, I guess, I, I don't know, but it just becomes easy. It's just too easy. And it's not who yeah. we are. Like, the, yeah. as you said, that's not who you were and who I was at CBS. Unfortunately, I was that way for eight or 10 years. So there's an argument, argument to be made that that is who I am <laughs> or was, but that was never who I was before that. In yeah. fact, I got into a fight one time with, um, I don't mean to name drop, but Dan Lebetard was at the Miami Herald when I was at the Miami Herald years and years ago. And now he, he's gone on ESPN. I got into a Twitter fight with Lebetard. He was ripping, saying things about stuff I was writing on the radio in Miami. And I was going after him. And at one point he sent me an email or maybe it was a tweet, I forget, or a, a, a text, I forget, saying, I think it might have been a tweet publicly saying, you know, this is not who you are. I know you, and this is not who you are. And I was so mad reading that, like, you don't know who I am yeah. and I've evolved and I'm better than what you remembered. But he was right. This is not who I am. So anyway, I happy to be here. Um, real quick to answer your question. Um, there, there, I mean, the lame answers, there's too many stories to say what have been my, I mean, there's just been too many. There's yeah. cause I, I love all these things, but just off the top of my head, when you mentioned the driving, the bossy field story was, was fun. Uh, there was really no person to write about. I like writing about people, but I went to Newt Rockney's grave and wrote about the grave, but also the guy that tends to his grave lovingly all these years later. And I, I, I went to uh, Mordecai Three Finger Brown's place <laughs> of birth, you know, the old Chicago Cub pitcher yeah. from 120 years ago. And um, I, I like writing history stories. I was in Washington, Indiana a month or two ago to write about the first great black basketball player in our, in our state. And it wasn't Oscar Robertson. Uh, Oscar led Christmas addicts. They became the first all black state champion in basketball in the country. Well, in 1930, uh, Dave de led Washington high school to Washington hatchets. They were the first integrated black and white state champion in the country. And I didn't know that story. Um, Anyway, so I, I stuff like that. There's there's yeah. a million stories out there, and I don't know any of them really. I just keep getting to, lucky enough to find them myself or find out about them finally, and and then write them. Yeah. Well, I know that you're you're pressed for time. I know you got stuff going on, so I'll, I'll let you get out of here. But I always ask people one final question. So the show is called In No Hurry. And when I created this podcast back in the fall, the idea was to kind of like you know, for instance, like you're busy right now, and and even even whenever the life has slowed down, you know, we're, we're still allowing ourselves to be super busy. And so the idea was like creating time and space to, to not be in a hurry and kind of recalibrate our priorities. And like, for me, that's my faith and spending time with God and that kind of thing. But like for you, what do you do to kind of slow your life down and, and you know, just kind of reset your mind and your, and, you know, reset your focus on things? You know, I, I'd never thought about that until you're asking that question. And then, you know, about 10 words ago, I realized I know what the answer to this is. And it's stupid. It's, <laughs> it's, well, I've got two answers actually. And they're boy, the, the second one's even stupider. Um, I'll, I'll start with the second one first. I vacuum. Um, <laughs> I, 
I have a cat here. I, I have a cat. I actually have two because my son was here and he's with his mom in Ohio now, but he left his cat for the moment. It's just easier for everybody. So I've got two cats. I'm allergic. So I vacuum once a week and I vacuum well. And I have a small place, so I can afford to vacuum. I have an apartment, two bedrooms. I vacuum well. Uh, yesterday, I was Wednesday, I was writing a story in the morning. And then uh, I had a couple of interviews later. I told you about my Thursday, my, my senior class project. So I wrote a long story in the morning on Philip Rivers, like 2,000 words. And then immediately had three phone calls to make. The athlete, her dad, and her coach. And that'll run next week. And so by 2 o'clock, my head's spinning, just spinning. And I... I got a vacuum. So I vacuumed and that, that helped me out. The other thing I do is I play Sudoku. I told you both these answers are stupid. Your answer, <laughs> your answer is so noble. My answer is so stupid. I, I, I've got a Sudoku book and I go solve a puzzle and that kind of just gets me away from screens and other stuff. And I think it helps with my logic. I, and Lord knows I need all the help I can get. Sudoku is all about logic. So that's what I do. I, Lane. I've been really big into words with friends since this has all happened. I've gotten back on that. And so that's been kind of keeping my mind sharp. You know, I'm looking at my screen on my phone, but I'm like thinking about word, thinking about vocabulary. And uh, it's a chance for me. I started playing my dad and I be beaten him by like 200 points every time. So it's a little nice way to have some bragging rights over my dad sure. now. But, but yeah, no, I mean, like normally I play tennis and I, the, the parks are closed, so I can't do that. So, you know, like we're all trying to, I think we're all figuring out a lot about ourselves right now. We're all kind of figuring out like where our priorities lie and, you know, I think whenever this all goes away and we're kind of back to normal, I, I I hope we see some positive changes in people's lives. I hope people, you know, maybe cut out some of the, the things that didn't need to be there. And, you know, like I think for like right now, a lot of my distractions are gone. So I've got things that I can focus on that I probably should have been focused on more anyway. So I don't know. I mean, I think I, I'm trying to look at the positives. There's so much negative with this and I'm trying to look at the positives and you know, obviously you, your, your work that you're doing, telling great stories about athletes, uh, you know, there's a lot of sports fans in Indiana and other states that are reading that. And I think it's helping people get through this. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when this is going to be over, but hopefully soon. And I hope that, you know, when sports do come back, we'll, you know, it'll be thriving like it was before. So, so Greg, thanks for joining the show. I know you got work to do, so I'll let you get back to it and looking forward to seeing some new stories that you write and always great to catch up with you. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Hey, first of all, I'm a dad before I'm a sports writer. I am. So uh, thank you for the career you've gone into. And uh, I, am, I am sorry for 10 years ago. I <laughs> it's, am sorry. It's, it's, honestly, it's, it's water under the bridge. I, I, I don't, I, it's not even a thing that I like. I know. I, about, I, so. I know. I, I'm, I'm, you know, at this point, I'm saying it for me, but I, I, I am sorry. I, I hate that. Uh, um, and then finally, uh, see you all on the other side of this. All right. Well, thank you, Greg, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Cole. Good. I'll see you again. Oh, that is so funny. I really thought I was going to be the one that would have to bring up what happened 10 years ago with me and Greg, but super grateful that he did remember that and obviously felt remorseful about it. And I look back on that kind of like we talked about and just glad that he and I were able to strike a friendship from that. And he really is one of the finest journalists that I follow. And if you have not read some of his work, I mean, it's just from an anecdotal storytelling perspective. If you care about storytelling at all, I really encourage you to check out Greg's work. You can Google his name, find some of his old work. His stuff at the Indy Star is phenomenal. And obviously we talked about it. He got first place in the APSE contest this year, which is well-deserved. And that's the Associated Press for Sports Editors. And so that's, you know, a 
sports journalist society that honors really good sports journalist work. And so I really encourage you to check out his stuff. I'm going to link his social media in the show notes as well. So I'd love for you guys to follow him, tweet at him, let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this show. And if you're a fan of Indiana sports at all, whether that's Pacers, Colts, Indiana, Purdue, anything really, follow Greg because he covers them whenever we do have sports. Hopefully that's soon. He'll be back covering them regularly. So give him a follow, check him out, and let him know that you enjoy hearing him this week. If you guys need to reach me at all, you guys know where to find me. Cole Claiborne on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Give me a follow. Let me know that you are listening to the show. I'd love to connect with you. You can also email me in no hurry at coleclayborn.com. I'd love to connect with you guys there as well. Also, if you have not subscribed yet, check the link in the show notes to subscribe to my newsletter. Those go out every single Monday and it has a devotional in it. It has the link to that week's podcast episode. I'm also going to be giving away some free books in the near future. So if you love to read and you want free stuff, hit the newsletter up. You can also go to my website, coldclayborn.com and click the tab that says newsletter and you can subscribe there but thank you guys so much for listening i hope you guys have a great week hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry and we'll see you back next week